Hello and welcome to Burkamp Wonderland. We are officially an Arsenal podcast and it's officially back on. With me tonight, I have three lovely gentlemen. First of all, top right-hand corner, it's Miami John in Chicago. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, Miami John in Chicago. Doing good, doing good. Doing much better after, after last night's win. So, I mean, and we'll get into it, but doing good. Getting cold. I would, I would ask you how you're doing now that you've moved from hot, hot, warm Miami to cold, cold, cold. <laughs> it's the first time I've ever seen you wear a jacket and a hat. Yeah, actually, so no. You've I, always I, got your bun, your German hat on, haven't you? Yeah, I've, I've begun to start to regret my decisions. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is. You just got to push through, just like, just like being an Arsenal fan, I guess, right? Excellent. It is. It's very true. Dan, down the uh, bottom left, our second guest is the one and only Dan Potts, the man who I love to say silly things, and he smiles even when he's trying to get angry. <laughs> I'll say something silly in the chat, and he has a giggle. How's things, Dan? Mate, I'm very well, man. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, been a while and it's good to hook up with you guys. Um, and you are right. I try and have a bit of a rant and then I look at Danny in the chat and I just start smiling and laughing. And then it puts me off. But uh, it's good to come on, man, and uh, chat to you guys. And uh, after a week, it's always better coming on when Arsenal have won. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a happy bunny, mate. How's things going at Lee Judge TV? Your new mm. um, stuff, I've, uh, I watch you quite often and it's uh, it's good. It's nice to see that... Uh, You've hit the ground running, as they say. Cheers, man. Yeah, yeah, all good. Thank you. Um, myself and Lee on Lee Judges TV have kind of grown the channel since about June, really, after the Euros. we start, I think we started during the Euros, to be fair, and then we've uh, come into the new season, and um, it's growing. got some new content going now and some good guests coming on, and um, it's, it's kind of... It's got to a stage now where Arsenal have become a part of our life even more now than we thought they ever would be. So, as you know, when you do a podcast, it's extremely busy, isn't it? So um, it's yeah. been busy but good and good fun. So uh, thank you, mate. It's going well. It's a pleasure. And and finally, um, but not least, it's the magical man that is uh, my mate, Jeff Arsenal. And we were talking just before the show started, Jeff, that we both did our first podcast debuts in, in November and December 2012. So next year is our decade anniversary. Decade. Yeah. <laughs> Am I going to get some, do? Oh, more custard creams for me, Dan, I think, isn't it? That's, <laughs> I think that's obligatory, mate, you know? Uh, we've both got old together, though, Dan, so we can, we can, at least yeah. we can say that. Yeah, but you've got old gracefully. I look like a, an out-of-control Santa. Uh, we've, we've, <laughs> but you know what? We've, we've, unfortunately, we're saying it's the same trajectory as the, the football team that we follow. <laughs> back into fourth now. I've named this podcast. Uh, fourth place is, uh, is ours. It's back. I can't remember what I called it. Fourth place is something. So uh, that's good. What have you been up to, Jeff? We haven't seen you on for a little while. You've been uh, busy uh, going to games and stuff. Yeah, I've been going to every single home game. Uh, only the Brentford away game. That's the only away game. I do all the London home games. Generally, venture up to some of the Midland stuff. Uh, I don't bother going to the Manchester games anymore because we normally get a spanking. So <laughs> I, I can't take it. I can't take it anymore. But yeah, everything's good. Every you know, we're just trying to keep out of trouble, keep healthy, and that's all you can do at the moment. But I'm really, really uh, just glad to get back in to see the football. It's been superb. Excellent. Well, it's lovely to have you all on. I'm uh, just going to go to the chat and say hello to people. We've got Digi Scott. Ahoy, uh, Aloha from Hubei. Oh, yes, that one in China. It's 3.35am. That's dedication for you. Phil Macker is there. Paul Neal is there. 
um scott is there from the the red cannon it's, uh, too many people call craig or scott that do podcasts and I, I get them mixed up very good podcast does a lot of, it, the most innovative podcast that is out there the red cannon podcast go find it and uh give it a follow it's very good um digi scott says uh john isn't looking as comfy as usual oh dear and uh what else have we got there gemini jedi close season down now and we are back in the european super league that's what john said before we started let's <laughs> just close it now um and uh scott says he needs to get me on the guess who board oh ah fergus uh evening guys voice is still recovering from yesterday fourth place is a trophy it's all ours uh yeah uh, fergus meets many because to many of the away games you see him a lot of away games dan yeah, I'm really good mates with Fergus, home and away. With Fergus sits right by me, he's on the row nine, I'm on row eight. So yeah, we uh probably twelve years I've known Ferg now. So really good lad. Go good podcast as well, Guns in the Ribbons. Really I, good podcast. I was on there this week. It was uh yeah. it was very good. I enjoyed it a lot. Um MJ is there. Um and then uh, Phil Mack, what's he said now? Don't be so <laughs> anyway. All right, we'll start off uh, with this uh, <laughs> podcast by talking about last night's game. Jeff, you were at the game. What was. was the what was your um, thoughts before the game and then what was the game like and the atmosphere and the paint a picture for people because uh some of us only saw it on tv well i mean uh, anyone that was there or anyone was uh, uh, going to attend obviously got an email from yesterday morning telling everyone that there's new the new covid rules and we had to um put in a confirmation that that there's certain things and that get there early like they do uh, and I, I, I walked up there around about it must have been about seven o'clock. So I did. I didn't want to be late. So I just I I thought there was going to be big queues there. I thought there was going to be people checking. That's what they told us. There was going to be people checking um, at the stadium on entry. I, I didn't. I, I saw people that no one was checking. I don't know. I don't know what the, Dan thought it was going to. What thought it was like, but. Um, I just breezed in. It was fine. And I was, I was, you know, a little bit troubled by it because then I was, you start getting a bit paranoid, don't you? So anyway, we went in and, and do you know what? I was, I was, I was really worried before the game. I thought, you know what? I'll take a draw out of this game because West Ham are a tough team, big, strong, mobile, got some good players. I was terrified of Declan Rice running the game. Um, but we started off, we started off, we controlled the game, in my opinion, from, from start to finish. They didn't really have, uh, too much in them, West Ham. There was a little, I know that they, I mean, they beat all most of the top teams. That's what's got them to the, to the heights that, that, that they were at the time. And they still are, obviously. Um, Liverpool, Man United. I think they beat Man City in the League Cup, didn't they? Uh, I think they beat Chelsea a couple of weeks ago. But they've also fallen off the last couple of weeks, apart from the Chelsea game, where they've, they've you know, they've drawn a couple, haven't they? But I just thought to myself, this is one of them games that we've had over the last few weeks, where oh, obviously we we, we was beat. Uh, 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 Liverpool uh, uh, United badly when we should have at least got a point out of that game. Uh, beat at Everton that was the, that was just a total disaster. You know when we should have seen the game out and li- at least nicked a point. Mm. So um, those two games, all right, we come back with Southampton. But this is after the Southampton game. This is another game now where I'm thinking right. We had a good game against Southampton, a great win. This is another one of those games where we've got, a, we, you know, we've got to step up and beat one of the teams that's around us that's doing well 
right, to give ourselves belief. And you know what? The way the game went on, we were so dynamic. Everyone was at it. Everyone was really, really hungry. They had more... Um, to had more enthusiasm to 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 get stuck in and, and put challenges in and you could see the patterns of play were a lot better I and mean, they took a little bit of breaking down West Ham but we we got there in the end and uh, you know what we we thoroughly deserved it uh, you know and I think if we can just we can carry on now and um, you know go into the rest of the games if they are played um, then we've got a, we've we've got a good chance a really really good chance of maybe nicking that fourth spot. Dan, you was there last night. How do you see it? Yeah, very similar to you in terms of getting in. I went straight in and I went to get my phone COVID pass out. They went, that's great. Cheers then. I thought, oh, he bloody looked at it. Okay. So I went straight in. Um, I must admit, I, oh, that's nice, Dan. Look, at I need one of them. That's what I need. Oh, that, that, uh, feel, that looks you, lovely. You and Jeff are describing it. Is it a little bit like that that that, um, that meme of that bloke, that big fat bloke where people is just going like that? That's, oh, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. It. It's so true, mate. It's so, so true. But, um, yeah, in terms of the actual atmosphere in the crowd, I think everybody saw this as a big game um, because, in my opinion, although West Ham are not reputationally a huge club, the way they've been playing and their league position has probably been, you know, kind of overshadowed our position of the last couple of seasons, really. So they're going to be fighting in and around that spot for us. So I think the crowd were up for it. And I think sometimes evening games, you know, we're not quite used to European football at the moment, unfortunately. So it does feel like a little bit of a kind of European night and the fact that it's that kind of late. The way that the crowd were getting up for it was really good to see. And I think there's something about the youngsters at the moment that's exciting the fans. And rightly so. I mean, these young lads have got such an amazing amount of talent. When I look at Bakayi Saka running that game last night, he was unplayable in my opinion. And, you know, I spoke to a West Ham fan of mine who's, uh, who's also called Dan. Everyone's called Dan, aren't they? Everyone knows. Um, and he said to me, I'm really worried about Bikai Saka up against Masuaka because I think that it's going to be a real tough test for us. And I thought he was outstanding. I really did. Every time that he got the ball, Bakai Saka, he was threatening. Um, Martin Erdegaard, I personally do prefer Smith Rowe. However, I understand why Odegaard started because of his goals that he's been scoring. And I think personally, when you look at what Martinelli is doing on the football at the moment, it excites me. I, I, I'm just glued to him. Every time I look at this kid, I think you are you are going to be special. And, you know, that finish, Danny, is it, people were saying it was Henri-esque and, you know, how, how confident he was going through, how composed he looks. And I've always rated this guy as a centre-forward. I've never really saw him as a winger, personally. I've always thought he was a centre-forward and under Unai Emery, he got 10 goals and then the injury set him back. And I just kept crying out to see him, like, look, he must be ready now. Why are we not seeing him? And when he came on against Newcastle when he got that goal, since then he's never looked back and he's really stamped his authority and deserves his place in this side. And I think that, you know, We've got some competition for places in them positions now with Erdegaard and Smith Rowe. What's he going to do with Lacazette? Is Lacazette going to be our captain moving forward? All these question marks. But all I know is I don't think you can keep Martinelli, Smith Rowe, or Saka out of this side because the three of them have been so, so good. And they shone through again last night. It was so, so good to see. And I've been very critical about the, the process and I've been very critical about the Cronkies young model of young coach and young manager. I feel there's going to be a lot of naivety and a lot of mistakes in this season because of that model. And I haven't really been for it. 
but there is some positives when you look at some of these young lads. I mean, how can you not enjoy watching some of the football that they were playing last night? It's a joy to watch. So um, I, long may it continue. We've got some very winnable fixtures coming up up until the Manchester City game on New Year's Day. So I'm, uh, I'm confident going into those games and I don't want to see many drop points like we did against Everton because I was just about dull at that point. <laughs> so long may it continue, mate. John, you okay? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to add on what's already been said other than, you know, it's been kind of a rough road uh, this season, especially starting off. And then it's been kind of up and down and toying with our emotions more so, I feel, than many Arsenal seasons in the past, uh, probably because we have so much invested by now. This is this new project in full force. It's going to work out. We just came out of COVID. Like all of the things are going on right now um, that that kind of add to this other atmosphere of the games uh, and and just seeing us our form going up and down and up and down has been a little bit disheartening and, and, and concerning. But, you know, uh, as Dan said, that's part of the naivety of a young team with a young manager in a new system. And what's been exciting for me is seeing how these players that uh, Arteta and Edu had brought on, you know, who people were kind of doubting at the beginning of the season and during the transfer market. You look at like Tomiyasu and you look at your players like even Ramsdale and Ben White and, um, you're wondering how are they going to fit in, myself included. And to see what kind of has been happening with these players and how he's managed to make them gel and fit into a system that's actually been challenging for the top four, clearly, since we're there right now going into the Christmas period. So uh, I think it's 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 an excellent what he's done with this, with this team. I think the ups and downs are going to happen. But here we are right now, uh, top four. For, for the moment at least. And uh, you can't really complain about that. You just got to enjoy it. And and it's not just it's not just top four where the games we win are are not enjoyable. Um, we're actually I'm enjoying watching the football that we're playing uh, for the most part, especially with these young players they are very exciting. And uh, I think, you know, it, it just needs to be a situation where we keep consistency now. And we always talk about consistency with Arsenal. We're, we're always saying, Listen, yes, we can play good and we have these good p- spells, but we just need to be consistent. And I know that may be a difficult to ask nowadays, right? Um, just because it's so up in the air with everything, uh, whether you can keep something consistent. But uh, if we can keep some consistency, there's enough talent on this team to carry us through the, re- the next half of the season, if there is one. I guess we could talk about that. Um, and it, in, a, in, a, in a good position. So... I'm happy about that. I'm, I'm happy to see these young players, like Dan said and Jeff pointed out, and I think that that's being reflected. You could you could tell. I'm not there in the stadium, but you could tell on the TV. I mean, people went nuts for these goals. You could see it on the TV. It reverberated. So um, it, it, the atmosphere looks great, and and it's a testament to the atmosphere. The fact that we have taken the most points from home. I think right. I think 22 points, seven wins. Twin top with Man City. Yeah, twin top with Man City. Seven wins, 22 points at home. I mean, that's incredible. That's incredible. Now what we need to do is just translate that into a waveform, uh, and we'll be set. I think I think it would be very difficult to contend with us if we can keep that going consistently. So that's where we're at. Uh, and, and, so oh, I mean, well, sorry, Jeff. Go on, go on, go on, John. I, I will say that um, the, the consistency aspect of it, as I said, is important to, to maintain that. And it's going to be a little difficult with the young players and the young manager, but I think we're starting to see – they're they're getting it. There's yeah. Look, see, did you just says it? You can't expect consistency from. I disagree. I think you need to expect consistency, and that's what uh, Arteta is doing. He's instilling this need to continually do it week in and week out. Yes, it's great home form. Uh, that's what I said about the last couple of away games. If we would have took one or two points, you know, from uh, that one or two points, takes us a little bit clearer. 
than, than where we are at the moment. And even a, a few of the other games, that we, them away games. But like, like you say, John, you are 100% right. There are going to be mistakes. They're, sti- they're still a very, very young team. And we are, you know, you know, fo- you know football fans, like you get very, very fickle sometimes. When you're winning, it's fine. When you're losing, you're the worst team in the world, etc., etc. But we are just going to have to be a little bit patient, aren't we? But what I see last night was, was you know, and even the fans, I had, I got, you know, the, the fans inside the stadium, they, they, they do believe. You could feel they do. They do believe in this team. You know, the likes of uh, Saka, what Dan said about uh, Masiaku last night. I, I bet he was dying to get off that pitch. It's amazing they didn't sub him because he was absolutely getting ripped. Um, it was just incredible to see. And every time he got the ball, Saka, he just fronted up to him and just skinned, skinned the life out of him. And the same, same as what you say about Martinelli on the other side. We've not even seen the best of Martinelli yet. He is so scary. I think he could be our best sh- uh, striker because he's so scary. When he's when he's got the ball, even if he's not got the ball at his feet, when he makes them runs in behind, he's so fast. And you know, once he's if he can get control of the ball and he's going down on goal, like the Chelsea goal last year or the year before, whatever it was, and he, he's bearing down on goal, you, I'm confident he'll, he'll tuck it away or at least hit the target. Whereas <clears throat> in the past... With no doubt, talk about a Bamiyang uh, later on in the show. Uh, in the past, we you know we we missed missed chances like that. But the excitement that 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 our young boys they generate inside the stadium is incredible, and, and may, long may it continue. You know, I think as well with Martinelli. Like, I honestly believe Danny that his his ceiling's higher than Saka and Smith Rowe. Martinelli, I think his end, end product's better. His work rate for me is second to none. I think his tenacity and the fact that he leads by example. You know, we get some players that have leadership skills that aren't by communication, but they're through... I set an example that every single Arsenal player should be, and that's Gabriel Martinelli for me, that everyone does not stop running. They don't ever give up. The resilience they show is fantastic. I've got to agree with Jeff. I thought his finishing is... I mean, his finishing there is just... You have confidence in front of goal with Gabriel Martinelli. I still believe sometimes with Saka, oh, can he get his... You know, his shot's quite weak sometimes and he does... Mm become quite wasteful at times and he's got to improve his end product for me Gabriel Martinelli I think this kid could be something extremely special I really do even as much as like um, you know when he obviously has to track back sometimes especially last night I wish they'd left him up there because you know you've got an out ball worst way if you're under pressure I can just bang it out straight over the top of the the two centre halves or or the the full back and you know he's going to get on the end of it because he's so fast and once he gets a, once he gets past them players, mate, you, we got a right chance. But I do think you're right. I think he's he's maybe our best attacker going forward. They've got some really interesting details. I think they're interesting about uh, Martinelli. He had trials at Man United in 2017 twice. He played for the under 18s against Lincoln City under the 18 under 18s and played the second half. Trial Barcelona the same year, and then the uh, that that. In 2016, for his um, Brazilian side, 15 goals in 19 games. Next season, 17 in 25 for the under-17s, and then 14 in 13 in, in a, a championship as well. So the bloke has been banging in goals. And, and when I when people said ages ago, oh, that it reminds me a little bit of Henri, and then a lot of people went, nah, of course he doesn't. You, you can't put that kind of pressure on him. But like Dan was saying, the more that we see him play, the more that you see his, his speed on the wing, he'll come in. And the way that um, 
I don't think even Aubameyang, if if that ball from last night from um, who put him through was it? Um, someone put him through for Lacazette, I think, put him through for that goal, and he just saw it. Was, he saw that um, um, that Martinelli had made his run. Lacazette put the ball all the way through, split the defence, and Martinelli went straight onto it. And you think that's the kind of thing we'd expect from Aubameyang, who's thirty-one years old, mm-hmm. not from some twenty-year-old. And when he's doing that at that age, uh, it's just absolutely fantastic, and makes me wonder why that um, uh, Arteta hadn't been playing him as much, but then someone in the chat, I think, yesterday said that Arteta had spent six months trying to convert him into a striker. Um, I don't know if anyone else had heard that or how you think he's going to get on, but I'm interested to talk about him. Where do you think his future position is going to be? Is it going to be like when Young was playing for us for the last few years, out wide on the left that would come in? Or do you think we can even go like Man City where we don't have a recognised striker and any one of the front three can bang in goals we've seen from Saka, Smith, Rowe and from, from Martinelli? It's just interesting to talk about um, what you think about that, anyone? And just to, just to add a little bit onto that, his defensive work is actually amazing too. I mean, yeah. there be there, and that and I think it's an Those underrated side. last night. That's exactly where I'm getting at. So there's times when yes, you know, he he maybe have lost the ball or someone else did, but he was one of the first players there to try to win it back. There was one tackle specifically in the second half that he made that was absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, one. Yeah, you know exactly when he when he won, it lost on the left hand side, and then he came back and he dove in block the players off. Um, yeah, amazing, amazing. And that kind of work rate is what Dan was, was talking about. So your question is, where where is he going to be, you know, in terms of positionally see, going forward? I could see him as a striker, especially playing off the shoulders. I think he'd be very dangerous playing off the shoulders of defenders. But Arteta likes to get players like that who are a little bit more well-rounded, and, and he seems to like to put them on the wings. Like, I could see him utilize the way that he utilized Aubameyang, tracking back because of that defensive prowess and being and because of his speed, being able to get into dangerous areas on the left hand side, overlapping with someone like Tierney or or, um, or you know whoever's there on the left. I'm guessing it'll be Tierney, and then being able to go into the box as well and and offer a threat. I think that what we saw him do yesterday, that seems to be where I where he'll be in the future, in my opinion. But it would be interesting to see him as the the striker. I think personally, we're looking at comparing him to like Aubameyang's and Henri's in glimpses. For me, I, I see Alexis more of Alexis Sanchez in him because I think he's got that tenacity. I think he's up and down. I think he goes through everything. Never say die attitude, the tackling. And I feel like, you know, Sanchez was more of a left winger but could play centrally and a lot of people played him centrally since he left Arsenal, funny enough, and it hasn't really gone well for him. However, I do think with Martinelli, I would rather see him running at goal as opposed to running down the wing. I love it when he cuts inside, but I'd love to see him on goal because I love that finishing. I think his composure's there. So I just remember that goal at Chelsea away um, a couple of years ago where he just let literally kept running and running and running and obviously Kanze made things easy for him by falling over but the composure was just there and I just knew he was going to score and it was like that last night when I literally saw him go through I said to my dad I said the goal and he just knew it was going in and I'm a big fan of this kid I really am and I think it's it's going to be exceptional to see where uh, what, what is, where his future lies really in terms of a position but he needs to be in this first 11 at the moment It is amazing because you very rarely see players nowadays that actually run away from other players as much as what he does. As soon as he goes through, you know he's gone. He's, you're not going to catch him, you know? And if there's a bit of space between him and, and the penalty area and there's no one in front of him, you, you, you know he's just going to run away. And he is very calm. He's, he's finishing his calm. You know, you do see some of them young kids sometimes, like Eddie. Eddie, when he gets in front of goal, he, 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 you know, he don't, he, sometimes you need to be calm. 
before you you slot the ball away. And um, but he is such a such a such a prospect. And um, you know, hopefully. Hopefully we, we can keep him, and um, whether it, whether or not he's going to be a centre forward, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. It looks like that um, under Mikel Arteta, he, he likes a, a centre forward or that type of player to drop into midfield. Um, I mean, he might be able to do that in, in a couple of years' time. I'm not sure he's, he's ready to to come in and drop deep. And I, I, like I say, because he's got so much pace, I do think it'll be a bit of a waste, you know. Whereas if he if he's uh, on that left-hand side there, or even right-hand side, um, you know, I think we'll maybe get more from, we'll get more out of him at the moment. But we do have that problem. You can see every single game, he's uh, he's struggling with a bit of fitness. You know, he's cramping up a lot, but that is only because of the work that he puts in, bless him. Mm. Only one thing that um, we all know that Arteta is a bit of a pound lamb pep. And he loves to copy those kind of things that he does. And most Premier League teams, they're lucky if they have one player like that does that speed down the side of the wings that no one can keep up with. Man City had it with, with Sterling and uh, a few other teams have got it. We've now got it on the left with, with um, Martinelli. We've got it on the right with Saka. And with players like that, you sometimes you need to um, put two players on them to stop them or foul them, and then players are going to start getting yellow cards. But if if Arteta can do that, and maybe the future for Arsenal is not having a recognised striker like Pep does, and we see that against um, against Leeds the other night, Leeds because Bamford was out, Leeds didn't have a recognised striker as well, and I do see it uh, more often. Like at times last night, West Ham weren't playing with a striker because he kept telling Antonio to cover it right back, and then eventually play it right back. And so, do you think that could be the future of Arsenal, a strikerless um, team like like Pep does? We might, we might, we might have a strikerless team in January, in uh, the summer. We've got Lacazette and Eddie that will both go out of contract. Aubameyang looks like he's off, and then Balogun needs a loan. So, yeah, we might have to have Martinelli. I mean, they're talking about people coming in in January, which I totally get. I actually quite like "Don't Waste Tweets" um, suggestion there in terms of a front four. I think if Lacazette wasn't to have a long-term future, then maybe that front four. I know it's very very, very young and think maybe it might need a lack of hold-up player like Lacazette. But actually, you'd like to see what we could do with that with Erdegaard, Fred in food passes, with the work rate of Martinelli, Smith-Rowe and Saka. It could be potential, but I do think this need, this team does need some experience in it somewhere. However, um, the player that I would probably bring in if we can in January or the summer is still very young and that's Vlahovic from Fiorentina. So I'd be breaking the bank to get him in because I think that we do need a centre-forward and I spoke to Lee earlier and Lee Judges was saying, I think Arteta is trying to copy Pep so much that he's trying to get rid of all his strikers now as well. <laughs> so I think it's going to be interesting to see what does happen up front. But I certainly don't see any of those options apart from Martinelli as long term. Um, if I'm honest with you, I think that we'll see a completely different Arsenal front line in uh, the summer, that's for sure. I left a little cap there in case anybody wanted to say anything. Anyone before I move on to the next bit? I'll just say one thing about that you mentioned briefly about Saka, and uh, I noticed it very pronounced in the game against West Ham. They put three people on. He would yeah. the second Saka got the ball on the right hand side, it was almost like you know space time was like warped, and like three players would just start you know coming right into where he was on the pitch. And um, I think Xhaka had an overall not great game, but. One thing that he did really well and it was actually very effective is the second that that started happening, which is what we noticed in the second half, 
Tomiyasu came up to support and was and was able to get the ball to Jaka, who was able to switch play really well to the other wing. And 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 we saw that interplay happening both sides. Um, and people talk about like this horseshoe of death where we just kind of pass it around the yeah. box. But what what we were doing really well, and what I thought I I, I think was made the plan was the second that the, they acknowledged that Jaka had the ball and the West Ham defenders started closing him down, we were able to switch play really really well, and it created. Uh, danger on the left-hand side, or vice versa. When Martinelli had the ball and they tried to close him down, we were able to switch it to Saka. So running defenders left and right like that, um, you don't really... I don't want to say you don't need a striker, but that is a way that you can open up defenders so you can get your midfield closer to the box. And and that's why I think we're starting to see players like um, like Odegaard scoring more. First of all, getting... In, in areas that are closer than he would normally be trying to facilitate moves in the midfield, but also because we're switching left and right so much that defenders are trying to figure out where we're going and then we're able to get more clear-cut scoring opportunities. So that could be a way that we go forward, and it kind of ties into what you were saying earlier. Hmm. Jeff, what's your thoughts on um, Odegaard? Where I'm do you just, think he fits in? I was, I, just, I was just about to bring up Odegaard, to be honest with you. I, 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 I think... Um, his last two games have been brilliant. I mean, he's warming into the position now. You can see uh, the more you play him, the more he's uh, getting to grips with a tough Premier League, the pace of it. And you can see his little tricks and, uh, and, and bits and pieces of his play. He's got different pictures in his head, I think. And you can see the, them, them straight balls that he plays. He's always looking for little ones around the corner where, you know, and I think it goes right across the team now. Now we're playing better. We're, 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 you know, starting to win games. They're getting more confidence. You know, they don't need that length of time on the ball. They're just popping it about now, you know. Instead of, you know, if the ball's on its way to you, you know there's, there's players around you. You can just pop it straight off. Whereas before, when you're not sure, you're not sure about what, you know, you're touching everything else. If you're not in that, uh, you, your confidence is not great. You've got to spend longer on the ball. Uh, that's when the play slows down and we go, go into that horseshoe thing that, that John was talking about, which we've all seen over the past couple of three seasons. But what I see from Odegaard now, he's really getting to grips with the Premier League and he's enjoying it. And, and it's, he's starting to, uh, he's starting to dominate games. There was, there was 10 or 15, 20 minutes yesterday in that first half, the, the latter stages of the first half, where he's really got hold of the game, and he was just he was popping the ball about and uh, twisting and turning. And I do think that the more we play him, the more games we play him, and and these young kids, and they don't forget they're getting to know each other, right? The more they get to play with each other, the better they'll get. Very true indeed. Um, <clears throat> should we talk about the captain situation? If anybody like Simi Simpson has just put a question in the in the chat, we've got a new feature on Stream Lamb, Stream Lab Yards. What's this called? Stream Yards, and um, we can highlight your question in our own private chat, and so it gets started, and we can answer all your questions at the end of the show. So, Simi, if, I don't recognise your name, so if anybody does put a question in there, I don't bring it up and answer it now, but I do save it for later. Um, Dan, captain. What's going on with that? Where where are we going to be going? Who who's the? Uh, well, do we want to talk about the Abamian situation, or has that been talked to death already? Well, I, I think it's probably been talked to death on in, in some sense. But actually, it's good to bring up 
last night's performance because it was an audition for a few candidates, wasn't it, so to speak? And although it's a very young team, I can see some future captains in it. I don't know that they're all ready right now, but I think that we should in the summer, um, if it looks like this leadership group, which I find bizarre, but there we go, is actually going to keep the captaincy between them for this season. Then the rest of the season will then investigate who we believe um, is right for the job. I think the Aubameyang situation is the correct thing to do with Mikel Arteta. I've not been his biggest fan, but I think off the pitch decisions have been very, very good in terms of recruitment and in terms of what he's done with this situation. A lot of people said no, it was wrong and he shouldn't have come out publicly. The only thing I'll say about that, as much as I do think it's right to come out publicly, you need to be a little bit more transparent if you're going to come out and say that he's been dropped for disciplinary reasons. I think it's quite obvious uh, what's happened. But it would be nice to clear up a few loose ends with was this tattoo situation true? Was this COVID situation true? Was his mummy or again? What happened? Was he late for training? Is there more to it? Seems to me there's more to it than just he was late for training again. But at the same time, he has been late for training a few times. And you lead by example, Danny, and he's not done that. And I think that it's the right thing to do now. He's obviously taken the news very badly, which is why he's not been involved in the last few games. And it looks like his future could be away from the club now. What do I see happening from here? Well, there's a few candidates, isn't there? There's obviously the likes of Kieran Tierney, who personally I would give it to. A lot of people are saying that he needs to prove his fitness first, but actually he's everything that epitomises what Arsenal need right now in terms of mentality, strength, desire, passion, leadership. And he's got that winning mentality. Yes, it might have only been at Celtic, but he is our most decorated player now that David Luiz is gone. So I probably would look to give it to Kieran Tierney. A couple of other people are saying that maybe Ramsdale needs it. For me, there's a lot of pressure putting on there. There's a lot of burden. I would prefer him to just keep doing what he's doing in goal. After playing 10 games or 11 games now for Arsenal, Taking the captaincy might be a little bit too early for Aaron Ramsdale. I think Gabriel has apparently some communication problems. I've not that I've seen that on the pitch. I think he's an absolute leader. And for me, Gabriel has been our best player this season by quite some way. You know, a lot of people are talking about Ramsdale and Tommy Asu. I think Gabriel has been an absolute monster, an absolute colossus at the back. So for me, he's been player of the season. And I'm seeing a lot of that with Gabriel at the moment, which is great to see. Um... So there are some candidates. I don't think Granit Xhaka should be one. I think that's a disgrace if he gets given the another opportunity to have the armband after throwing it on the floor and telling all of us to F off. That, for me, was him done. I think with Lacazette, I don't see a long-term future. Rob Holden is certainly not in the first team at the moment, and I can't see him getting back in it. So... For me, if we're going to look for a long-term solution, it would be Kieran Tierney. But that's just me. A lot of people would disagree and say there's other options out there. John? Uh, so, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to be said about whether we'll even have one. I, I think that, you know, he keep, Arteta keeps insinuating this leadership group, which I think might be the model that he wants going forward. Um, there still needs to be one on the pitch, which may just rotate among those players. I think Kieran is a great shout. I like, the, I like Ramsdale as a shout. I know that there's some arguments about whether a goalkeeper should be or could be a captain, but you look at, you know, Neuer, you look at... Uh, uh, yeah, there's plenty of examples we can go through them, but um, I don't necessarily think just because you're a goalkeeper, it automatically eliminates you from contention of being a, a captain. I think that uh, for me, it's more of a, a situation with Ramsdale that, yeah, he's been great, but it's a little early. Um, and I think that uh, as much of as much as he may have earned it, I'm not sure if, if he's going to be the one to get it. Um, I will say with with, with Jacka, uh, well, yeah, that's terrible that, with the whole armband thing. I will I will say that the way that Arteta is looking at it probably is not so much of what he did when he was 
in another season with another manager, but I got the sense that everyone kind of had a clean slate under Arteta and you kind of had to prove it to him with, uh, you know, and that could be the right or wrong decision, but I think that's the one that he's taking on it. And um, f- for that, I can, I can imagine given what, what Jack has done for him this season, um, I could see him putting him in that leadership group. I don't know if he'll get the captaincy, you know, like the actual armband at, like Aubameyang was. Uh, and again, I'm not sure if that's even going to exist until maybe next season. But uh, for now, he's made it very clear that we have this leadership group with Lacazette, um, with uh, Xhaka. I think Holding was was the third one. So it's probably going to be a rotation of those players. And um, I, I really think that – and someone mentioned Captain Jack. Uh, I, I, I really didn't think about it until the, I read that comment, but it, it was kind of a flippant comment about Captain Jack. But, you know – him being behind the scenes, I can't imagine has a non has a non zero impact on these players, especially the young ones who came through the hail and we saw Saka making public comments about his meaning to that team and and all the young players. So um, obviously, uh, yeah, Mike obviously is saying no. We know how he feels, <laughs> and and I'm not, I'm not saying make him captain, but you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's influential behind the scenes with respect to a lot of these younger players from a leadership role and what it means to be an Arsenal player. And you could say whatever you want. About about him coming into the team to play, which is probably a bad idea, but um, you know, him as a leadership role as a, as a senior player that knows what it means to play for the team and and what that entails and what you need to do to succeed as an Arsenal player. Uh, I think that's invaluable to these young players, and I think we're starting to see a little bit of that. I don't know, obviously, but I wouldn't be surprised um, if there's if his influence is is really helping these young players and what we're seeing with them on the pitch. Aubameyang, um, well, as, as we all know, the, the last two or three years of the, of the, the great man Wenger, uh, there was many, many players that, that he relied upon too much, put too much trust in, and they got very, very comfortable. And we got to a stage where we did need a culture change. Um, I think a lot of people bought into that. Um we brought in Arteta. Well, we brought in Emery, Emery first, and the, he changed a little bit. He got a little bit tougher, but I think the job was maybe a little bit too big for him at the time. We brought in Arteta, who was uh, who, who was attached to, to Wenger and had meant uh, a few years of experience under under Pep, uh, and he laid the law down. Like like John said, everyone had a clean slate. Everyone was given the same chance. And you saw the fallout when um, the stuff with with Benduzi and and Mesut Ozil and you know there was a that culture change was was put into place and you know one thing you've got to say about Arteta uh, whether you like him or whether you don't he's put it in place and he's going to stick to it he's going to stick to his guns right and the the the, the culture is going to change. It, you know, he's, there's, you know, there's, as he says, there's non-negotiables. There are some non-negotiables. And like you say, Dan, this is not the first, second, third, fourth, sixth time that Aubameyang has crossed the line, right? Mm. And it's got to a stage now where he's taking the mickey. So... Mm. Um, Do you think as well, well Jeff, that like you, you look at the situation of the last, say, ten years? I think we've had. I think someone said we've had eleven captains in fourteen years. Yeah, three of them have been stripped of the captaincy: Galas, Chaka, yeah. and now Aubameyang. Yeah, I think he's looking back at that Arteta now and thinking, 
it, something's gone wrong here. This has got to stop. We need a fresh start. I'm not going to do it right now. I'm going to wait till the end of the season, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to look at it again and say, right, which one of my youngsters is going to be the one to take us forward in the next Tony Adams, Patrick Vieira? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, the, the captain's armband now is different to, to when I was playing football and, and, yeah, and you know, back in the day. You know, it's totally different. We haven't got that kind of captain and captains anymore. But what you got, we've got to take into consideration now, we've got a lot of young players. And like you said, he's got to lead by example. And you've got people like Saka, uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, Martinelli, and they're all looking at what, what our captain is doing if he's turning up late for training two, three, four times or just coming in and doing, you know, you don't know what he's like on the training pitch. If he's, if he's got that kind of attitude where he's going to turn late, late for training, I bet you, you can bet your bottom dollar that he's, he's not really putting it in in training. Now, right. I don't know. I don't know whether it is the money and that last contract that, that, that has changed him. I'm not sure because what I, I mean, the, the few games we have seen him this season, he, he puts himself about, but and he's been he, his confidence is gone, and he's not scoring. He's not scoring like he used to, right? And listen, Fergie used to do it, and and other managers back in the day would do it. You know, um, George Graham, he knew there was a Tuesday Cup going on, right? But the boys was doing it. If he, if if he comes in, uh, if he comes in Thursday and Friday, plays on Saturday, gets you a couple of goals every single week. You put your arm around him and say, all right, cool, no problem. You can do this as much as you want, as long as you keep banging your goals in. But mm. it's not happened with Aubameyang. A, a he's coming up. He's having a stinker every single week. He's having an absolute stinker. And then boys are looking and they're seeing him coming in. He's getting picked every week and he's not training correctly and he's turning up late and he's missing one of, one of our biggest games of the season against Tottenham mm-hmm. because he turns up late. All right, in that shiny car, mate. Come on, this is Arsenal Football Club. We need to change the culture. You're our club captain. I'm sorry, I've had yeah. enough of him. He's got to go. Yeah, and it's kind. Of, it's like it's a little bit of a. It. It's a little bit of death by a thousand cuts, right? Like even if they're not necessarily these huge breaches, they they add up to paint a picture of someone who's not an, a, a professional. And we're trying to build a team of young professionals who are going to try to grow together and be something. And like you said, you're spot on. It is a bad example for these young players. And it's been from day one. There's not been any kind of equivocacy, uh, equivocacy about it. He, he has non-negotiables. If you don't follow him, you're out. And we've seen it time and time again. So I don't know if Aubameyang maybe thought he could test that and test the waters, maybe kind of like Ozil did with Emery. Um, Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, right, what are you going to do? But, you know, first of all, Aubameyang doesn't have the PR team that Ozil had. Uh, I don't think anyone has the PR team that Ozil had. And and second of all, you know, I don't think that, uh, you know, the the, the respect that – that Emery probably had in the dressing room is the same that Arteta probably has in this one. I can tell he seems to be more of a, and we'll find out with this Amazon documentary, right? Which I can't wait for. Um, But um, I have a feeling that he's a little bit more of a substantial presence in the dressing room, especially for these young players. Having been an Arsenal captain, you know, the way he explains things, the the fact that like they say that he'll say something and then it'll, it'll appear on the pitch. So I don't think you could test him. Like maybe Ozil was able to test Emery at that time, especially just coming off of the Wenger era to Emery, it's a little bit different. So yeah, I agree. I don't. I think he's. I think he's. He's done, and it's because he's not performing. I think there's a little bit of a hypocrisy there that you know you're only as good as you are on the pitch, and you can get away with a lot more. So if he really wanted to get away with all this crap, he should have been playing better. 
I guess. Going, going back to the, the captain thing, uh, Danny, um, I think Arteta, he, he's, he's building within. I mean, you, you remember like three seasons, two, three seasons ago, we didn't have any leaders on the pitch. There really wasn't any leaders on the pitch, you know. We were relying on Ozil to, to turn turn something up. Uh, and, you know, there was a little bit of Alexis Sanchez or, or something. To, to But there was no leaders. But I can see leaders growing in front of us. Uh, Gabby, Ben White, right? Uh, Aaron Rainbow. Ramsdale, the goalkeeper. Even Tommy Asu. I can see him, you know. He's, he's, he's got fire in his belly. And he, that Tommy Asu, he will have it any way you want it. If you play against him, right, you want to play fair, he'll play fair with you. If you want to have a little roll around the floor, he'll roll around the floor with you. And he's a lump. I'll sit on the on the halfway line in the upper tier, row three, right, and he is a lump. That kid is built. He's, he's really, really well built. And I can see and I'm seeing him talking together. Right, and he's, so he's creating leaders amongst the group anyway, and I think I think Arteta re- recognizes that there's not that captain that we were talking about before. There's not one of those guys that like, like the John Terry's and the Roy Keynes and the Paddy Vieiras. They're not really about okay. anymore, right? So he's going to have to build from inside, and and the more they they do it together and they fight together, they win together, they lose together, they build together, that the stronger the team will get. And internally, that's when you start building it and you'll win games, believing your mates. It's like when you when you play go down a pub and you play football with your pals, right? If you get if you if you can build that together, that's how Leicester won the league. They didn't have the best players in the football league. Yeah. You know, that's how so they won the league. They, you know, they, they built it all together. And that's what I think he's trying to do. So but for now, I like I like Lacquer. The way he's the way he's come back, right? And I know he's not a long term captain, but I think he'll do. I think I think he should he should remain captain until the end of the season. I take what you're saying, Dan, about uh, 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 Chaka. I, he can't be a captain again. He's done. He's done with with the captaincy, right? Yeah. Uh, but Laka, he's come in, right? He's got a great experience, and I think he's having his best time at the moment. The last three or four or five games that he's he's come back, he's he's having his best games for Arsenal, right? And I think he's taken on that mantle of being that type of that that type of leader of a guy, leader on that. And, you know, and you know what I like about it? We're starting. To, we're challenging for things now. We're challenging referees. We're challenging other players. If someone gets in your face, you know they're all getting around it. Whereas before we was we was lily livered, you know we would just suffer it. You know now it's different. The culture is changing inside. So I'd give it to Tosh. I'll give it to Lacko to the end of the season and see what happens. Go again, Dan. Yeah, I've, listen, I've got to agree. I have to agree with what he's saying in terms of captains there. And I, one thing I will say, because I do have to shoot now, Danny, uh, but I will say this. I think when you look around at Man United, Liverpool, Man City and Arsenal now, the captains of Tony Adams and John Terry's and Steven Gerrard's and Roy Keane's are no more because I think the style of a captain has changed and I think modern day football's changed. I don't think there's that hard-headed kind of uh, approach anymore with the, the leadership of a captain. I think there's a lot more that comes with it now. And I don't like that. I'm very old school. Um, and I like, you know, the, the Roy Keynes and the Patrick Vieiras of this world. I don't think they really exist anymore. Um, the last couple I can see from there are probably Vincent Company, let's say, or, or somebody like that. Um, I don't think since that we've got any replacements. When you look at Jordan Henderson, as great as he is, he's not a Roy Keane. I think Raheem Sterling's been wearing the armband sometimes for Man City. Cesar Aspilicueta for Chelsea. And obviously the problems at Arsenal Football Club over the last few years. So I think Jeff's right there, 100%. But, mate, I do have to shoot, but I want to thank you all. And thank you, Danny, for letting me on. Um, 
It's been great. Good, good chat, guys. And um, nice to meet you, John and Jeff, as well. You yeah, too, Dan. Good yeah. stuff, Dan. Thank you. Let awesome. people know where they can find you, your your Twitter and your um, your other podcasting ventures. Cheers, Danny. Much appreciated, mate. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Insta at DanArsenal87. Uh, come over to Lee Judges TV. Uh, like and subscribe if you can do. Uh, and the same old Arsenal is back on Monday um, with myself, Craig, Lee and Harry and Mark and Graham. So oh, we excellent. are going to be starting that. So, um, yeah, Craig's now um, feeling a little bit better. He had a bit of a break, bless him, and um, now he's back. So we're going to start for the festive season and onwards um, every Monday around about 9 o'clock. So same old Arsenal on Twitter and YouTube. Excellent. And there will be over... Last time I think you did one, there was over a 1,000 people watching it live. That just shows how, how much everybody loves that show. And I've been on I've been on with you and Lee Judges a couple of once, I think, once or twice. And I've been on uh, yeah. Same Old Arsenal many times. One of my favourite podcasts. Brilliant seeing you lot come back. Really pleased about that. Cheers for your time, Dan. And we'll speak to you later. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers Take care. Bye. See, See you, guys. Um, oh, let me change the uh, there. Um, something that one of our ABW's finest, Richard Cactus um, Cash, who's in the chat, he sent uh, he put a thing in our uh, group about captains. It's pretty good what he's put. He went and got all the details of when they were captain, and then he's done a little synopsis of each one because it is quite telling. Henri, captain for two seasons, second season spent most of it injured and then fucked off to Barcelona. <laughs> then it was Galas, captain for a season and a half until he went mental at Birmingham. Sess, captain for three seasons. He was a decent captain until he went on strike and fucked off to Barca. <laughs> There's a pattern forming here. <laughs> RVP, captain for one season where he had put his injury woes behind him and had a brilliant season, then fucked off to the Cockney Reds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thomas Vermaelen, two seasons as captain, looked brilliant at first and then bloody died on him in the second season and his body died on him in the second season flogged to Barcelona. Arteta, two seasons as captain, came in and steadied the ship, in brackets, even changing position slightly, before his body broke down and he spent the majority of, of 9F his season injured. Majority, oh, of, not 9F. 9F. Uh, majority of his se second season injured. The BFG, second season as, two seasons as captain. Second season, he only played one game, the FA Cup final. That was awesome, though. That was oh, legendary. Big Bob Holding and um, ruining Diego Costa. Yeah, that was great. one season as captain, but left and mugged off the shirt as he, <laughs> as he felt his ravaged body wasn't used correctly by Emery. Xhaka, Half a season as captain, went mental and told us fans to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Alba, two seasons, in brackets, kind of. Um, <laughs> should never have been given the arm back, armband, stripped due to multiple disciplinary offences. And that yeah. is, I'm going to go and have a little look and see if he's in the, uh, where is it? There we go. There's Cactus Cash. That is, a, that is a, an amazing roll call of, of, of I mean, we, we, we went for a stage where everyone was stealing our captains because they was, it was too good for us. And then, uh, now we can't give um, them away. No, there we go. So, so, so we should make, we should make our worst player captain and, and see if they try and, you know, try, try and, try and take him. We should have made, made old Cole Jenkinson captain back in the time. We might have made 15 million pound of him or something like that. But, uh, but there you go. Strange, very, very strange. But it's a, it's a tough one. But like, like you know, like we say, the, the captions are totally different now. Um, and you know, we've got. I think we've got to build. 
leaders rather than mm. captains. A captain, personally for me now, someone just goes up for the toss-up and where's the armband? Uh, the leaders, they're on the pitch. Uh, and, and we've got a few of them running through the spine of the team now, thankfully. Because in the back, in the old days, it used to be a hierarchy. You'd have the, the manager in charge, then you'd have his right-hand man, which would be Tony Adams, or it, um, it, before that, it would have been Don Howe, and he would have had uh, Kenny Sampson as his right-hand man. And then you'd have the vice-captain, which during the, the, the Wenger era would have been um, uh, Vieira and Adams were captain, and the vice-captain would be one of the next one who would then come through to be captain. But right. now they name five captains. Bold, you yeah. captain yeah. one yeah. to five. Yeah. And so that you can't really have the hierarchy of no one crossed Tony Adams because he'd have, he'd have enough power to get you out of the team, I'd have thought, back in the day. Well, he'd have you up against the wall, mate. <laughs> you know what I mean? You smash a yeah. beer bottle. Yeah, well, yeah. he'd have you up against the wall. And, but obviously the game's changed now. But, you know, we've got, we got, we got a few, few leaders that are, are coming within, you know, and hopefully they can continue. So where do we see the season going from here onwards? Because um, I was saying before the show, we've already played three games more than, than Spurs. It looks like it might be four games more by the weekend because we. it looks like our game against Leeds might still be going through. Already the Spurs game at the weekend will have been cancelled. Um, tonight there's been one game cancelled, uh, Leicester Spurs. At the moment it's uh, Chelsea nil, Everton nil, Liverpool 2, Newcastle 1. And that's, I think Liverpool have had um, Van Dyke was out and a couple of others are out. Yeah. Do, do, do we see this, the, the whole COVID thing, meaning shutting down the stadiums again and games being called off? And where do you see it going, John? I think that that's a very real possibility, unfortunately. Um, I, you know, I, it's, it's something that they need to figure out a way to either contain or, or keep it under control. They'll start limiting capacity or something, but it's starting to ramp up. We're starting to see more teams not being able to, uh, to put out a team. Um, and I, that's not even getting into the kind of ridiculousness related to our first game of the season when we had people out with COVID and nobody postponed our games, but um, here we are. Um, that's nothing new, but it's, it's concerning. It's concerning when you're seeing a spike in these cases and players not being able to play and teams not being matches, not being able to go forward. It really makes you wonder what's going to happen uh, to the rest of the season. And I tend not to worry about it because it's not like it's something I can control. Um, you could just kind of hope for the best and uh, watch each game as it comes and enjoy it uh, while it's there. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a weird situation. I, I don't think that they'll cancel the season. I think too much money has gone in as we saw uh, last season that they brought it back eventually, but there was a kind of a hiatus um, I don't think they'll just end it now and we'll finish fourth as much as I would like that um, <laughs> at a certain level. But yeah, it's definitely it's definitely up in the air in my opinion. Well, I, I, I don't know what the clubs are doing now mm-hmm. than, than they than, than they was doing dur- during the you know the lockdown or the times when we, we there wasn't fans in to set, because they're, they're, they're a group the bubbles are just together right it's obviously they're, they're obviously mixing way too much outside I mean and they've just got to go back to that level because there's way way too many footballers over the past two three weeks that have got this this new strain and it's it's going to shut everything down again it's going to shut the football down again yeah and especially when you're hearing about and, and you can 
not argue about the merits of this or not because that's not what I'm interested in doing right now. No. But you, we know, factually, we know that a lot of the players don't want to take the vaccine. So, yeah. you know, it, they're, they're uniquely susceptible to uh, these kind of issues. And uh, if that's going to be the case, I think, Jeff, you know, your point is well taken. Yeah, I heard on the Radio 5 today, which is a decent source of news, that in the, they had a manager from the EFL, the English Football League, which is Championship League 1, League 2. And he was on there and they were saying to him, did, to the manager, did you know that 25% of EFL players haven't had their, their jabs? And he said, I only found out this week that some of my team, um, my players at the club haven't had this. And they were talking about the possibility that if you don't have it, then you're not going to be allowed to come on the pitch and, and, and play games. But then the manager come back with, well, every, every player before they come on the training ground into the, the, the complex, wherever it is, they have to have a lateral flow test. And if they pass that, they're allowed in. And so, but this has been, this is going to be the third year where it's going to be affected around the Christmas time and just after that, winter in the UK. And this, uh, they've got to put in some kind of thing for it, either just ignore it or get on with it because you can't keep closing down the biggest sport in this country, the biggest sport in the world every time it gets cold and then, and people don't want to do it. But it's, uh, it's I definitely think worrying because I, I think, think just the, the thought of no crowds again, John. Yeah, and I think the FA is not going to when, – when it's the bottom line, that's when they make the big decisions. <laughs> money, right? money, money. When it's the money, then they make the decisions that need to happen. When it's you know fairness or, or of the sport, as long as people are sitting in the seats watching the game and the games can go forward, they don't give a flying you-know-what. But the second it starts affecting the pockets uh, uh, and, and the coffers, that's when they make their changes. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's a, you're either going to get a vaccine or you're not going to be playing. You, you're not, you know, we're not going to let you play. Um, and if that's what it takes, you know, to, to make, to ensure the safety of, of the players and the staff and even the fans, um, you know, maybe that's, that's what they do, but it, it would be something drastic like that. That's just how they operate. There'll be a big debate over that when they, I don't know whether they can stop people going to work just because they, they, they don't, they, they, don't they, they won't. So, but here's the thing, they won't stop them from working. They'll just stop them from being able to play. You can, you can show up, you can go to the training pitch, but you can't come and play in a regulated league game. If you haven't been vaccinated, I don't think that they, I think that they'll have the kind of authority to do that, but it'll be a debate, like you said. Um, and, and at the end of the day, how many times have they cared about whether they're doing the right thing or the popular thing as long as it's what's in their best interest? So, you know, it, it, the FA acting in their best interest and, and when that, when I mean money, I think that yeah. that's that's usually the, the course of action they take. So, yeah, no, uh, great. Um, Look at that, Jeff. We've got the, we got the other Jeff in the chat. You're joking. The yeah. other Jeff, yeah, God bless him. I asked him, will he be able to come on over the, the Christmas holidays, come on and do a show, but he hasn't replied. He might be playing hard to get. But this is why uh, Jeff Hulenfrunden is called The Other Jeff because he changed his name to Other Jeff on Twitter before he even joined ABW because we couldn't have two people called Jeff. That's and, the truest, uh, true story, that. It is. And he used to run our blogs. And one, I send him a message every now and then on WhatsApp. The last one, it was a 10-minute message. And he sent me one back of him going through to get his, getting in his car, driving off to work, stopping at McDonald's, talking to the lady, making his order. And he did all that a lot, all on his message. So, uh, yeah, and, lovely and, to see and, and what a good-looking man as well he is, the other a, Jeff. Uh, you know? He's a, and like you, he's, he he's puts, a fan he of watches. Do you follow his Instagram? 
I don't know. Oh, I'll give you his Instagram after the show. And then he's a fan of watches. He likes restoring old watches as well. Oh, cool. Really? You're a watches man. Cool. Um, Well, you're going to say something else, Jeff, because you did unmute yourself. So that usually means you're going to say something. I can't can't remember that. It's it's old age. The old Alzheimer's is kicking in a little bit. I most probably probably was, but I've forgotten about it. (laughs) But it is slightly concerning that the, according to them in charge, the whole of the UK is on fire and everyone's dying. But when you went to the the game, Jeff, it seemed to be the uh, yeah yeah everyone like um, Dan said he had his um his his um his NHS thing on his phone ready to prove it, and and you had yours, and it just went oh yeah. off you go in you get, and you're thinking well hold on a second, according to the government and the papers, it's all going to be very stringent, and you're just going oh you smell all right in you get. Well, as you well know, Danny, I, I still I still like going out dancing. To I'm a house music freak, uh, John, a soulful house music freak. So right. I still go. I still go to uh, the, 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 the raves. Ra- raves is whatever you want to call them. Um, and I've been to a few theatre productions. I've been to a few comedy comedy nights. And each I don't know. I say I've been out fifteen times since in the last. Uh, six months, right? And uh, not one stage have I been actually challenged to prove that I've been double jabbed or whatever, you know? Mm. So I, I, I think this is just a thing that's come down from the government. Like I say, yesterday, uh, we was all sent an email at the last minute. You've got to make a declaration that you've had your jabs and, and, and if you show up at the stadium unless you and you are challenged, unless you produce it, you may not get into the stadium. You may not get into the stadium. But there was there, there, there was people there, but they wasn't doing anything. They wasn't – I never see – I mean, I might have – and I took my time because I had to walk around the stadium. So as I'm walking around, I'm trying to keep my eye on how they're doing it and what they're doing, right, so I can get in as quick as I possibly can. You know, is there a line for people that's got to show you your uh, vaccine stuff and everything else? There wasn't. Everyone was just walking through. It was amazing. So I don't know, maybe if you come from the government to the FA or the Premier League and the Premier League have passed it on to the clubs and they're going through the motions of, mm. of, um, of doing it. But, you know, and everyone was fine inside the stadium. No one was exactly too paranoid about it. There was a few people with masks on, but in the main, you know, all the people around me, they was, uh, there was no masks, you know, when I was out in the fresh air. Uh, so we'll have to see. But anyway, let's not make this podcast on a on a on a, such a, a yeah. laborious... This concerns me about lower league football, how they're yeah. going to cope, because some of those on them, I mean, even Spurs and Arsenal got government loans and some of the lower league clubs, if they have to shut down now until uh, no, 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 again, no, no, no people going to games and no money coming in for two or three months or six weeks, whatever it is. And oh, it'd be terrible to see some, and some of the um, non-league clubs have already folded, I think. But yeah, anything else to say on that, John, before we move on to, uh, ah, oh, with you then, John. How do you think the rest of this season is going to go? Because uh, it does look like we're on the up, doesn't it? Um, yeah. So obviously, assuming that we that nothing closes down and all that stuff, and it keeps going, I definitely think that I, I'm I'd like our position right now better than the other top four that the other top four challengers, right? Um, I think that given our the momentum that we've had, even though there's been a little bit of dips, uh, it's been overall po- positive. And um, there seems to be a direction. 
Um, I think that we need to strengthen the striker situation desperately in the in the winter window. It, definitely in the summer, but I think that we should be looking in the winter window because if we can get a solid striker in the winter window, I think that that is going to be the, just the cherry on top for the progression of this team. Clearly, they're gonna, it's going to need to be someone that fits in the system that Arteta wants, and that not only includes the playing style, but the kind of mentality and the personality of the players, which is definitely something that we're trying to change as well from a cultural perspective. So um, it's it'll be interesting to see. There's definitely a lot of young, exciting talent in this team, and they're starting to shine, and that's what I was hoping would happen. Um, that's when I looked at this team in the beginning of the season, I was like, all right, what is the game plan here? It's a bunch of young players, and we're just kind of hoping they develop and come through and maximize and actualize their potential. And it seems to be happening. Obviously, halfway through the season, it's difficult to make any definitive statements, but the trend, which is what I type, like to look at, is yes, even though it'll go down and up and down, it's moving up generally in terms of these players' performance <clears throat> and what we're seeing. So. I think that we, if we can maintain the consistency, we're going to see a challenge for the top four, top five spots uh, going forward. I thought you were going to say something. Did you just unmute yourself to cough, Jeff? Yeah, I beg your pardon. You know what? I I, I wanted to speak, but I muted myself when I I just I did it the wrong way round. You know, <laughs> no, I, I think you're right, John. I think you, you think you're spot on, and I think if we can continue continue winning the home games, you know. Uh, and nick a few points on the away games, you know, we, we'll have a right chance of getting in that top four. But, uh, you know, that might be another challenge in itself if we do get into the top four. It might it might stunt the the, the growth of these young players because, you know, it, it, if we was in Europe this year, you know, I, I think it would have been a, a lot more difficult because at the moment he's got them on the training pitch for a long time, a lot longer than what, you know, would be moving uh, them Thursday night games. You've got to go out on the Wednesday at least to play on the Thursday, not coming back until the Friday. So you've got three three days there where you've got, you haven't got them on the training pitch, you understand me? Whereas Monday to Friday, we've hardly had any midweek games. Obviously, we had one the other night and one last week. But in general, we've got plenty of time, a lot more time on the training pitch. These young players and this team are gelling all together together they're there together they're learning together we've got a new coach you know relatively new uh so it's it's worked out well for us that we've had this year off from from european competition um uh, going forward i just think we really have just got i know it's a, a it's a bit of a cliche but you've got to take one game at a time and just work on the game in front of you make sure you get the best out of your team get the three points in that game and then just you know, see where it takes you at the end of the season. There's a consequence in every single game. Mm. You know, if we if we if we win every single game between now and the end of the season, the consequences are that you're going to be right up there. You know, so between now and then, we've just got to pick up as many points as we can and and see where we go. Yes, looking at our. If anyone's got any questions, do put them in the chat, and I'll uh, save them for do the questions in a little while. Just looking at the upcoming games. First of all, we're away to Leeds this weekend. I didn't know that when Gabriel was at Lille, he went on loan to uh, Troyes, which is a another French team. Uh, They're in League One as well. He only played four games from in leagues and cups. But um, uh, what's his name? The uh, Mario Bielsa, Marcelo Bielsa, was the was the manager of Troyes. So that'd be uh, I didn't know that. I didn't even know that he went on loan. He actually, Gabriel went on loan to a Croatian team as well for Ooh. a little while and, and didn't play. I think he played one league game. 
So, uh, yeah, this Leeds game coming up, they've just been smashed 7-0 by Man City, John. Uh, do you think that we should expect to win that game? Yeah, uh, and especially when you see how many players they have out, it looks like, um, you know, I think some of them might be coming back. But it's definitely a Leeds team that's there for the taking, which, you know, when you see a, a team that's there for the taking, we just come off of a good win. We need to get some momentum. Uh, that's like a recipe for disaster with Arsenal. Um it's almost like a inver like it's it's almost like inversely proportional that the more players they have out, the less likely Arsenal are to win, um, and that goes for many of the teams it seems. But uh, hopefully, it, it, we're seeing that change. I think it'll be good uh, to to see these young players come in and get some consistent performances. So that's what needs to happen against Leeds because. Um, yeah, we, we we tend to not capitalize when we need to or are, have a great opportunity to, and this is definitely one for both where we need to capitalize and we have an opportunity to capitalize. So they need to step up. It can't be one of these Arsenal performances where right off the bat we're going, we're, why isn't this team showing up? You know, it, it looks so important. We're losing the ball, and that we, that can't happen. We need to come right off the bat from the whistle and 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 bring it to them because they are very bereft right now of of confidence i would imagine and we can really really damage them early on and make it an easy game to watch or we can make it extremely difficult to watch depending on how we choose to approach the game you know what yeah well i'm just about to follow on from that and you know it was the worst thing when i saw the other night when they got an absolute spanking because we're normally a good team to play straight after a a good hiding because mm-hmm. you know I've, I've seen it so many times where you're thinking to yourself well it's either a good thing or it's a bad thing you know like, like you say you know if we could if we go at them and get amongst them um you know that they're, they're wilting that they're, they're still they're still burnt from from the good spanking they got at man city the other night uh but then at the same time that bielsa you know he's going to get into them mm-hmm. and he's not going to want to see something like that happen again Right, you're going to build their confidence in between then and and the game, the time that we played them. And if the game if the game does go ahead, it's still going to be a game. It's very hostile at Leeds. I've been there once, and it's a horrible, horrible place to to go when you're on a away team and um, very very loud for 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 a, a small old fashioned type stadium, uh, and they're very partisan. And you know, it's 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 a it's, it's a good it's a good atmosphere there. Uh, and they will get behind the team. It doesn't matter where they are, you know, they will still get behind the team. So it's not going to be easy. We're going to have to go there. And like you say, John, in the first 15 or 20 minutes, really go at them and and sh- put them in their place. Show yeah. them that, you know, you're going to get the same from us if you don't if you don't defend properly. Um, and if we can, I, I think we, they are susceptible of, of, of conceding goals. You've seen that all the way through the season. They they, they concede loads of goals. We've got, yeah, well, there you 17. go. Yeah, we've got to get in there early, get a couple of goals, and then, you know what, we can, we can, we can cruise through the rest of the match. But if we, if we give them a chance and they nick a goal, right, it could, we could be talking next week on the podcast about, oh, here we go again. You know, we're thinking about the, the great winner Southampton, against Southampton, against West Ham, and then we stumble again. We're back to thinking we're a mid-table team again, you know? <laughs> well, it's because that's what happened all the way through the season. Yeah. As soon as you think, okay, here we go. We're, we're, we're rocking and rolling now. We've got, we've got some good players, and we're playing really well, and they look confident. Boom, we get knocked over. 
<laughs> it's, it's, it's what happens. But that, that's what happens with, with, with a young team. You've got all them young players. So, But hopefully we should do. Go there, be professional, keep fit, do the job, get the three points, come away. One Great. game. Then after that, we've got Sunderland in the League Cup. Um, they're, they're rubbish. I don't even know whereabouts they are in their league. Um, is anybody worried about that? And who do you think should play? Do you think the likes of Obama Young is going to come back for that game? That would be, that'd be funny. That would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just having a look in League One. Sunderland are currently um, third. They're two points beyond the leaders, Rotherham, and then Wigan a second, and then Wickham a fourth. So, Do you know that game? That game sold out, you know? And 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 genuinely, isn't it? Well, it's still sold out. Genuinely sold out. Uh, obviously, me being in the in the ticketing business, uh, I keep eye on stuff like that. There was a lot more tickets going for the West Ham game on the ticket exchange than there was for the uh, than there is or there are for the Sunderland game. You know, mm. and incidentally, uh, the night after, I think Tottenham play West Ham United, and half of the stadium at Tottenham is empty. So wow. it just shows you the levels that we're on between uh, the levels between Arsenal and Tottenham are. It just shows you we're we, we're playing at Sunderland. Tottenham are playing a, a you know a Premier League team like West Ham, and half the stadiums is, is you know is, is, is unsold. But uh, going into the game, it's one of those games that I think that um, I think he should go for it. There's no reason why Arteta shouldn't put a strong team out and go for it. Obviously, you could maybe rest a couple of players, um, and, but I'd put them on the bench. But I would genuinely go and try and win this League Cup. We've not won this this cup for a, a long time now. I don't know when that. When is it, Dan? Yeah, he seems seventies or something that we won. Well, this... the last time we won the League Cup, 87. yeah, eighty-seven. That's right. Oh, yeah, ridiculous. Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield no, Wednesday. Oh no, ninety-three. Yeah, Sheffield Wednesday, yeah, 93. I was yeah, I was there. So we I won the there. FA Cup and the League Cup in the same season. Uh, against Sheffield Wednesday, loads. wasn't it? Yeah, Sheffield Wednesday. That's we right. In the FA Cup That's as right. well. But if, I, if I was Arteta, I'd go, I'd go for it. Try and win that League Cup because you've got a good chance. Mm. But the only problem with that, John, is that if we do beat them, they're in the semi-finals, um, then we've got two semi-final games. First of January, Man City away in the Premier League. Fourth or fifth of January, semi-final of the League Cup, first leg. 8th of January, FA Cup third round. I think that's the 9th of January now. Then the 11th or 12th of January, semi-final second leg. And the 15th of January, Arsenal v Spurs. So that means we'll have five games in 15 days. Yeah, but look, we, we have these young players who want to say that we want them to grow. This right. is the experience that, that, that we're talking about here. You know, these kind of uh, these cup matches are part of the deal. And, you know, on the one hand to say we want to see this, this young core of players progress and then on the other hand say i'm afraid of playing a bunch of games that are high stakes uh important games for a young player's development i think it's difficult to maintain both of those so i'd be happy to see the young players get a chance in those and maybe some ones that haven't been that been on the bench or almost on the bench get get a run out i think that's important for development of the team so hmm. was it see, uh, we've got so we've got we've got sunderland leeds sunderland then Wolves, is it, Dan? Wolves then we have got well. away to Norwich on Boxing Day. Yeah, we should beat them. Then Wolves. Then Wolves at home on the 28th, the New Man, Year's Day at yeah, home. Yeah, Man, 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 Man City at home, yeah. yeah. And then the FA Cup game, yeah. Forest away, away Forest. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I'm only concerned about the Man City home game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that that you know, it'd be, it'd be nice to keep the score down. 
Well, the thing is, we need goals to beat teams. And we have got, at the moment, in the reserves, Balogun banging in a, over a goal a game. We've also got that bloke we got from Phil at Fulham. Uh, he's an English bloke, but he's got a, his name is Beerith or something like that. He's, he's only 17, banging in the goals as well. We have got a magnificent um, under-23 side that are doing that they were top of the under 23 league. I think they may have um, lost a game recently, but we have got plenty of young players to come in. And when they're playing against the likes of Sunderland, then that's a league two side, a league one side, third tier side. And, and then Norwich, they're not, no, pardon me, they're not exactly great. So we've got plenty of things, but the most important thing is scoring goals wins games. And we've got people that can score goals. Yeah. And most importantly, we've got midfield players that are coming through now and scoring goals, which which yeah. we didn't have before. So, you know, if we can... Remember that time a few years ago, Jeff, when we go, our entire midfield wouldn't score 10 goals a season. Yeah, no, it's true. And no. looking, looking at it at the moment, in the Premier League, we've got Saka on two, uh, we've got Smith-Rowe on six, uh, Odegaard's got four. Yeah, we're getting goals in midfield. It's crazy. Martinelli, yeah. that's, does that count? But even already, so you add all those up, that's more than 10 goals already. It would be nice if we it would be nice if we can get a, a couple of strikers getting a few goals as well, though, you know. So that's and that's that's exactly what I was gonna say. I was gonna say uh in addition, it's a great, great audition for these younger strikers, given our what we were talking about earlier with the striker situation. John, your mic thing's rubbing against your zip. I was sick. Can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. Cheers. So what I was saying was, what we were talking about earlier was uh, this kind of striker situation. What are we going to do? Well, these are kind of proving grounds for these young players that might not otherwise, these young strikers specifically, that might not otherwise get a chance in this team to show us what we got and to make a difficult decision for this manager to to play them next season or even maybe in the second half of this season. So it's a uh, it is a good, good opportunity for them to make a, a very difficult for the manager to make yeah, a, it's yeah. a great point. That is a great point. You know, um, Eddie Nketiah has got a right chance now to come through. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not a believer in it, in, in Eddie. I, I wish I, I wish I was, but um, I think he's had more than enough chances now. I think Balogun, I think he's going to go out on loan. Uh, I think he would have gone out on loan if, if Eddie, um, if Eddie didn't get, did he get injured or Kobe at the start of the season? He got injured, didn't he? I think he got injured at the start of the season. Yeah, I think he got injured before the Brentford game. That's why Bellingham played the, the Brentford game instead of Nketiah, didn't he? I think something like that. Anyway, yeah. So he couldn't go out. Ring your bell. Ring yeah, your bell. he he was um he was our only striker at the time that w- that was fit for that particular match. So they had to list him and and, and keep him. Otherwise, I think he would he would have gone out on loan. Bellingham. I, I think. He will go out on loan in, in maybe maybe January. I don't know. But it all depends how Aubameyang shapes up. Is he going to come back with the towel between his legs like a, a proper professional and, and really have a go at getting back in the team? Or is he going to uh, shy away like, like Meza Ozil did and, and, you know, kind of disrupt and not sign up to the, the you know, what, what, Arteta is asking him to do. This is the question. True. Just looking at Eddie's goal stats, he's got 15 goals in 70 games for Arsenal. But in the Premier League, which is he's very rarely plays the whole game, he's got five goals in 41 games. But I think if you divided that, all those into minutes, and then divided those minutes by 90 to get actual game time, he's probably played 12, 13 games maybe. But his best thing is FA Cup 2 in 7, League Cup 5 in 6, Europe 3 in 15, so that's where his um his numbers come from, but yeah, I'm I'm not overly confident that he's uh that he's going to be able to do it. 
Shall we? Um, do you want to say anything on that, John, before we move to questions? No, I'm ready to go to these questions. So. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. Right. First question, um, I'll give it to you, John. From Cactus Cash, she, Rich, I'm oh, Rich from ABW. Does this crop of youngsters coming through and defensive solidness in brackets for the most part remind you of the young team that George Graham brought through when he first joined as manager? Or do you want to give that to Jeff? I think that's Jeff's question. Yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't read the yeah. questions before you say who it's for. So, did you hear that, Jeff? Yeah, I did indeed. Yeah, we. Good. I mean, we had a great crop of players coming through, and we we generally do our. I know we've taken a lot of stick over the last years, few years, even even through the Wenger years of of, of bringing players through. Uh, but they obviously had a, 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 a lot of quality to try and live up to in the players that we had at the time. Uh, a little bit different now. That's how this crop of young players come have come through. Uh, uh, but they are. They, this is a, a brilliant crop of young players coming through, and there's there's, there's more to come through. Um, so I do I, I do think the, um, it does it does resemble George Graham's time with the good players coming through at the time as well. Good. I agree with that completely. Right. I can get rid of that. Unstar it. Uh, here's one for you, John, from Phil Macker. Which of the Deadwood currently only else out uh, on loan elsewhere? Currently I, only I'm, elsewhere. I've read this one twice and I haven't been able to figure out what, the, what they're at. I think he means of all the players that, are, that we own that aren't at the club, which ones are likely to come back? Because it was oh. revealed, um, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and they said uh, Mavropano, I think it's Tom, Tom Canton at the Guna mm-hmm. Talk, brilliant show, go and give him a follow and watch it, I watch it every day, that he was saying that um, we've got a deal with uh, is it Stuttgart, is that at the moment, or is that where he was last season? Anyway, wherever he is at the moment, they the ones who got smashed by Bayern at the weekend, so I watched it, and the, we've got an agreement with him, if they don't go, don't get relegated, they can have him for three million euro, three million pounds. And okay. then now they've said that they're really going to put him up for sale for 20 million euros. All right. Wow. I mean, that's pretty, uh, I think, I think Saliba is a good shout. Um, I don't know. It, it's made it a little difficult with how good our defensive partnership is right now. Um, I don't know whether they're going to feel he's ready to come back from France or not, but um, he's definitely a player that it's interesting that that was everything. He was, the talk of the town with respect to why isn't he coming back in the beginning of the season? And we haven't even really heard about him given the partnership that we've had. So I don't know if that's really one of the players that would be coming back, but I could see it possibly um, as we might need some, especially if we get back into those top four spots, we're going to need backup, especially I think in the defense position uh, right now. Uh, I don't think Amari's it. I think, we're going to need to give, we're going to have the ability if we're in Europe to give a player like Saliba a chance. Uh, and I'd like to see that. So I'm going to go with that. Go through the list, Dan. What you got for me? Um, next question from Gemini Jedi. Will Leno, Young, Pepe be packing their suitcases for the new year? And after this, we've only got four more, five more questions. So we'll be done in about five, 10 minutes. No, I did mean go through the list of loanees that we've got out, Dan, so we can stick our twist on each of them. But uh, Okie dokie, I um, should do that then. Right, well, we'll come back to that question in a minute. I thought you yeah. were in a hurry to go. No, 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 certainly not. You're right. Okay, stick or twist on the, uh, where is it on this list here? Maybe if I scroll up a little bit, wow. Uh, Konstantinos Mavropanos, just give me a yes or no, whether we keep him, no, Sam, bring him back, sell him or loan him again, John? Sell him. Uh, Jeff? Sell him, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Although I think he's a really good player. I think he's found his level mm-hmm. in the lower, lower part of the Bundesliga. Still a very good player. 
Daniel Ballard, John? Is that Millwall at the moment? He's a defender. I think loan. I think he's young enough. Um, yeah. So uh, there's no reason to sell him or bring him back in so loan. I don't know anything about him, to be honest with you. So I'll, I'll loan him out and see how we go. Uh, Matt Smith, who was who won an FA Cup winners medal while being a substitute, 21 years old midfielder. He was at Charlton and Swindon last season. Currently on loan at Doncaster. I take it no one really has an opinion on that. No. Uh, okay, well, I nearly lost my page there. The next one is ah, oh, here we go. One to get a, a pair that you can get your teeth into. Gwendozi and Saliba both on loan at Marseille. John. Gwendozi sell uh, and possibly bring back. Uh, Saliba. Um, mm. I, I agree with that, John, to be honest with you. Good. We have Nikola Mola. I won't bore you with this. He's on loan at Victoria Cologne in the third Bundesliga 3. He Whoop. is coming on as a sub every now and then, and but he's only 17 years old, so that's not good. Dijan Ilyev is uh, on loan again to, I'm not even sure how he is, uh, SKF Sered. But Dijan Ilyev, well, he's, been a, he's, he's now 20, he's 27 in February. And he still hasn't played a game. He's been at Arsenal for since 2012. Holy so a crap. decade. Wow. <laughs> that's, a long, that's a long contract that kid's had. Yeah. yeah. Not a wow. single game. He's like, anyway. yeah, interesting. Just go, through the, just go through the top boys, Dan. You know, like. Okay. Um, well, we've got yeah, Tyrese yeah, John Jules. Tyrese John Jules. Anyone heard of him? Yeah. 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 What do you reckon? He's on loan at Blackpool at the moment. How old is he now? He has got a oh, bloody hell. He's 12 older. games, zero goals, and he's a striker and he's 20. Yeah, I think that one, uh, we might need to e- either give him another loan or cut the cord on that one. Um, yeah. Yeah, he, 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 I, re- I recall he didn't have a good loan. So. There's a lot of these boys that they're just going to see their contracts out and we're going to release them, isn't it? It's quite clear. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Lucas Treyer, Jeff, on loan at Fiorentina. They're, they're having a pretty decent season. He has played 11 games for them and uh, in the league. I don't, I, I don't know. Lucas. Oh, Torreira. Torreira. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I think he's another one that's not. He's, we need to up the ceiling on our midfield team, I mean, midfield players. And he, yeah. he doesn't get in. Yeah, I'm afraid oh, so. That's a shame because that first season he was here, John, he was magnificent for the first half, wasn't he? Oh, come on. That, that North London Derby goal when he took his shirt off. Yeah. I mean, that was that was magic, man. I was I, I definitely over overhyped <laughs> Torreira after that, uh, as a lot of people did. Okie dokie. Uh, next big one, Jeff. Uh, Miguel Aziz, we all, we've all heard of him. He's on loan Keep him. Portsmouth. Keep him, definitely. He's one for the future. How about you, John? Yeah, I think um, depending on how this striker situation kind of pans out, it's an interesting one, but I think another loan would be good for him. Good. Uh, Hector Bellerin on loan at Real Betis, John. So, Jeff? John. Gone. Yeah, Ta-da. Sad. I mean, he's still only, he's only 26 years old. You'd think he's in his late 30s, wouldn't you? I mean, he's been at Arsenal since, oh, 2011, 11 years. Mm. Yeah, he's had a, a, a very high number, 239 games and nine goals, but never yeah. really lived up to his early promise, did he? No, sadly. Mm, very true. Um, one final one, Jeff. Reese Nelson on loan at Feyenoord. Still only 22 years old. Yeah, he's played 48 games for Arsenal. And whilst at Feyenoord, he scored, I think he scored one goal, but he's mainly coming on as a late substitute. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, he does show great Hailing promise. Boy. Yeah, he does. He does show great promise, but I'm just not sure he's going to make it at Arsenal. So another loan until he, uh, or try and, try and, try and selling, make some money of him. 
Mm, John? Um, I'm right there with you. Yeah, I think uh, if we can get a good price for him, I think he's surplus to requirements now, and he hasn't been good enough on loan in the year to VCs to, to warrant bringing him back. Um, but I think he's talented as well. He, he's one of those players where I feel like he, he watches the ball too much. Uh, if you ever watch him play, he definitely he's talented, but I think he needs to be, get a little bit more awareness of what the game's going on around him. I'm sure they're coaching him to do that. So if he can if he can do that, I think there's a place for him. But right now, I think another loan would be good. What are you going to do with Pepe, John? I mean, I if it were up to me, I, I I can tell just by the way that he's been playing that I don't see him as a starter for Arteta. I think he's a player that you can keep because he's a talented player that will give a defense problems if they come in as a substitute and is a good player to have as like a squad option. But I'm not sure if that's a great place for our highest ever paid player. Um, so I think that either we need to recoup some of that money and get someone that could do the same kind of a thing for less or we need to, I don't know, it's a difficult situation, definitely, Jeff. Your do mic's you rubbing again, John. Oh, man. I would... Um, <laughs> you I, can't I, hold I, it in your teeth. <laughs> I, I, I would cash him in for £25 million. Yeah. But we've still got next season, Jeff, and the season after that, we owe £15 million pound payments. So that's yeah, not even going to cover the money we owe them. It doesn't matter. He's got to pay the money and get him off the, off the waste bill and start. He's probably on, I, I don't know, hundred grand a week. Now, yeah. he's not going to make it in the Premier League, I don't think. If he goes back to France, nobody other than PSG players or, and maybe Monaco players are on anywhere anywhere near than that amount of money. Most of them, 10, 15, 20 grand a week if they're really good. Well, that's so he's not going to take that cut. That's the, that's the price that you pay for, for, the, for the hierarchy that was in charge before. This is the culture yeah. change that we needed and we're going to have to suffer that. Arsenal got enough money. So he's not going to take an eighty pound, eighty thousand pound a week pay cut over the rest of his two year contract, is he? We're going to have, I reckon the only gonna, thing we're going to do means loan him out. No, we just have to contribute, won't we? Of course, loan him out and contribute, wow. and then. But if we loan him out, then we're going to, he's going to run his contract down. I'd rather I take the twenty five million pound to a to a, a, a French team that would would pay because they do rate him out there and mm. and contribute to his wages every single week. Yeah, Newcastle. Grand, 50, Newcastle's 50 a good shout, Phil. Yeah, Newcastle. There. Yeah, yeah. Money's meaningless to those. And they, I was watching a TIFO thing, and they were saying that they reckon they could possibly get um, five hundred million pound they could spend, or uh, in the next in the next year on transfers, only because Mike Ashley spent bugger all. They're going to need to. Yeah, I don't know how they wangled it. It might have been over the next two seasons that they said they can do it. Anyway, Jeff, question: Gemini Jedi, will Leno, Obama Young, and Pepe be packing their suitcases in the new year? Um, again, it's it's all according to how Abamyang shapes up, isn't it? If he if he if he well if he wants to be a professional footballer again and and you know put his head down, he, he you know he might feature uh, Leno. Um, I think we'll keep him to the summer and then and then it, is he got when's his contract expire, Dan? Um, Leno? Leno's, uh, you know, I actually have. He a just signed a new one, didn't he? Last last summer. Um, sure he did. Oh. My fat fingers would stop going. Through. Agents and contracts. I have this ready because usually I have to go and search for it every year, uh, every every show. Uh, Leno's contract expires on, in uh, June two th- twenty third twenty three. Okay, so, yeah, so we've got one and a half years. Yeah, so I think the summertime he'll, he'll be up for sale. Mm-hmm. But this summer, Nketia, Chambers, Elneny, Kolasinic, Lacazette, they all expire. Yeah, it's, it's that goal change though. El Nenny is one that, uh, you know, that's a good squad player. Uh, we're going to yeah. have to re- figure out a replacement for that. Uh, consistent, 
good squad player and happy to do that job. Exactly, That's the important thing. And he only costs five mil. I would, re- yeah. I, I would resign him. Yeah, uh, if, if, with that understanding, if he if he's okay with that, which he seems to be, I don't yeah. see why we shouldn't we shouldn't extend his contract. Yeah. Good, John. Question for you from Simi Simpson: Do you think Young can find his way back into the first team? Do we need him? Okay, that's an interesting question. And um, it, it, to the answer to the first one, yes and no. Because uh, can he? Uh, yes, in the sense that I believe our t- I don't believe that that bridge been burned yet. I believe that if he is contrite, if he shows and he puts his head down and works hard, I imagine it just Arteta seems like the type of person who would you know who would respond to that and allow him to. Now, can he? Which is the same question, but in a different way. Is that within? Is that within uh, Obamiang's abilities as a person? as a professional to be able to put his ego aside and to be contrite and do what it needs to be done to put his head down and do the work to get back in the team. I'm not a hundred percent sure that he has the ability to do that. So yes, I think the opportunity is there, but I'm not convinced. I'm not very confident that he'll be able to do what needs to be done. And will we miss him? You know, on, on top of his game, he's a great player that can help us out. The way he's been playing recently, I think that he's been more of a hindrance than a help. So I don't know how much we're going to actually miss him if he's not there, uh, especially since it forces us to maybe take a new direction with striking options, which I think is something that we need to do anyway. I think he's probably got a side deal with um, Newcastle already in place, and that's why he's kicking up and causing a little bit of fuss. It's what normally happens during the course of a, uh, a season when when someone's maybe been offered a bit more money. And I think it's in it's, a didn't it? Well, yes, but I think it's also to to, to do with the, the you know our structure, the way we're playing or the way we're set up as a football team. It doesn't really suit Aubameyang. Um I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna go to money, man. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be the case. But hey, that'd be even funnier if they do all this and then they get relegated and Aubameyang's playing in the championship mm, after can, all that. I, can, I, I think there'll be it. a huge clause in that contract written in six foot high red letters. Go down, goodbye. That so better be. But then what? But then what? Then you burnt the bridge, and you know that's a that's poor professional management from his team well, we've there. Seen, so. We've seen but, you, but you know what? You know, you know, Newcastle are going to come back to haunt us, though, don't you? Of course. Whether it be five years or ten years of or whatever. Course. Of, of course. They're, they're going to come back. So let yeah. them go down there and we're going to enjoy it. I remember Man City going down twice yeah. years and years yeah. ago. And um, this is what happens. Okie dokie. Right. Next, uh, we've got some more questions. We can't ask them all. Um, here you go, Jeff. Um, question from uh, Gary, uh, DWTT. Uh, anything you saw from the last match that Arsenal has stopped turning our opponents' bad form around? What's that mean? That Arsenal have stopped turning our opponents. I mean, normally, I think he's saying that when teams are having bad form, they come to Arsenal and we turn their bad form around like Oh, yeah. Well this, is, the, well, this is what I was trying to talk about, about the, about the Leeds game, the, the upcoming mm. Leeds game, you know. Arsenal are a good side that normally... Uh, <laughs> Gives anybody, everybody, a chance to to turn into a, a, a prime Barcelona. Um, no, but I did. I, yeah, last night I definitely saw a, a change. Uh, you know, an attitude change with much more dynamic, uh, and that I saw players that do believe in do do believe in themselves. So I, I think we might have gone past that point now where we're, we're a pushover. Mm. 
Right, final question for you, John, from NN Guna. Can this team perform at its highest potential with both Erdegaard and ESR on the pitch at the same time, or does one always have to be a sub while the other one starts? I think that's something I've been wondering. That's a great question. Uh, I don't know if there's an answer yet. I don't, I don't think we've seen enough of them either on the pitch together or, or off to make a determination <coughs> right now. Um, I think that when Odegaard's on the pitch, he offers something very, very much different than when ESR is on the pitch, and it's going to be—it's kind of a nightmare for Arteta with both of those in a good way, um, because they're both obviously young and talented players. Um, I think that it could work in a certain way. Um, I feel like it's going to depend on placing ESR in a position that might not necessarily be his ideal position. So highest potential, perhaps not, but I think you can get a very significantly uh, well-working system with both of them on the pitch. Um, there was a lot of adverbs in there. So let me just say, I think you, they can both work well on the pitch together uh, if you change up the system a little bit, but I don't know if we're really willing to do that. Um, so that's that's a great question. What do you, what do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I think I think they can, and I think you will see them. Uh, Lacquer, obviously, he's not going to be able to go through the season, the rest of the season, playing 90 minutes of each match. So I think Martellini, Martinelli may slip into that, that nine or that central role. Uh, Emil Smith-Rowe go left, and then you'll see Odegaard play that central role. And the same with, with Saka on the other side. You know, they can they can switch. Um but they can both switch, uh, Emil Smith-Rowe and Saka, they can switch both sides when when, when Laka doesn't play or when Martinelli goes into play as a, as a, as a centre-forward. Yep. Excellent. Right, there you go. We have uh, we have finished the podcast. Uh, an hour and 35 minutes, Jeff. That's lovely, isn't it? Done well. We've done really, really well. Yeah, that was we great. As the... Um, We'll have uh, an old Dennis Bergkamp as our logo for this last bit. Right, uh, John, where can people find you on the internet and any chance of the, uh, the the Chicago cast podcast coming back? Uh, you can find me at 305cast on Twitter, and there's always a possibility, right? You know, just just like Arsenal, there's always a chance. And well, now that you're not going out much. Yeah, well, especially in the winter, we'll see what happens, right? Exactly. Horrible bloody weather. I don't know. You, don't know are you missing the warm weather? I, I don't mind the cold, you know, because I feel like you could put on so many clothes uh, and, and then you can get warm. But if you're hot, you can only take so many clothes off and then at a certain point you're still hot. So I feel like, you know, once – plus the weather changes here a lot. Back in Miami, it's just hot and humid 24-7 all oh, the time man. without changing. It's making me making me oh, jealous. Um, <laughs> yes, thank you very much for coming on. Been your yeah. usual wonderful self, uh, Jeff. When can we expect you back on again? Uh, I, I thought you were going to ask ask me where where, where pe- pe- people could find me. I was going to say, well, uh, no. I'll be amongst I'll be amongst the sixty thousand people every fortnight. Just look for Wally; he'll be there somewhere. Everybody knows he's at Jeff Arsenal on the Twitters. Uh, the one of the most famous Arsenal fans on Twitter, Jeff. Everybody knows who you are. And um, I'll come back on any time you want me, Danny. You know that. Lovely. So uh, you all both of you all ready for Christmas? That's the important thing. I can yeah. see you both got your trees up. Yep. <laughs> Mine's in the other room. Ah, yes. Lars went to Drago last night. His is in the kitchen. They don't mm. all have them behind you like some kind of 1960s dodgy Xmas film where 
Where someone's I'm just waiting for you to read a big book, you know, sit there and back, <laughs> you know. And with my beard. Yeah, it's that heat yeah. behind me isn't on. It's not that. It's only it's, it's yeah. uh, eight. It was the night before Christmas. <laughs> is that, John, is that a backdrop or is that actually your room? Yeah, it's actually dark in here, but this well, is. No, okay, yeah, no, it looks cool. Look, the darkness is cool. It looks like, uh, yeah, it looks like. A nice, like, little mood over here. Where, where you crucify somebody. <laughs> I got, like, the crazy poster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, talking about that, there's a BBC show called What We Do in the Shadows. What they what do in the shadows. Life. That's my Absolutely life. Absolutely magnificent. Don't watch the, the film, though. It's rubbish. But the TV series, brilliant. Anyway, thank you very much to Dan Potts, who is, who's um, gone off to do something for joining us. Cheers, John. Cheers, Jeff. Cheers, everybody in the chat. We will be back for uh, the ABW preview one hour before kickoff on Saturday. It is me and French Gooner. And then one, we'll be back 10 minutes after the game. Um, on Saturday, it's me and French Gooner again, and I think Mike from the Gooners pod, unless they've changed the name of their show again, will be coming on talking over everybody so no one else will get a word in. So there you go. We will see you again later. Thank you very much, everybody, and goodbye. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>